G'day. Talking about pedagogy with Ryan Shelton, Deputy Principal of Learning at Holy Cross College. This podcast is by teachers for teachers on the art and science of teaching. Holy Cross College is a pre-kindergarten to year 12 Catholic school situated in the metropolitan area of Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished School, the college is a global leader in contemporary 21st century pedagogies that are Christ-centered and student-focused. The college's vision for learning allows for all students to be engaged, challenged, and progressing. Today's episode is an absolute ripper. Um, I'm so excited to introduce to you Vanya Basil. Vanya is the assistant principal in the junior school at Holy Cross College. Um, She works predominantly across our early years cluster, which is pre-kindergarten to year two. Um, But Vanya is so much more dynamic than that. Um, She has been an AP now for over seven years. Um, She has been an acting vice principal. Um, She was a year seven coordinator. Um, She taught year seven and eight. She's been a part of our learning leader team which goes all the way through to year 12. Um, She has two beautiful children and being a mum is the number one priority in Vanya's life. She's taught across both state schools and Catholic schools. She's a foundation member of Holy Cross which means she's been here since the start. Um, She's a co-teaching enthusiast and so she loves team teaching and everything that goes with that. And her greatest passion in pedagogy is for meeting the needs of every single student. No matter what we do, we want to make sure that we can do everything for those children. She's got a master's in RE, um, a bachelor of primary. She's pretty much got everything. I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. We're particularly going to hone in on the idea of student agency and student voice. So I hope you really enjoy today's episode. So there, what an introduction, and how lucky are we to have you here today. Now, you have the funkiest name, Vanya Basil. Um, how's it spelt? How's it pronounced? And can you tell me, what, what are some of the best things you've heard about your name when you're on the phone to people? Um, all right, yep. So the name is Croatian. Um, so the J is pronounced as a Y. So it's V-A-N-J-A. And then Basil pronounced like the herb, but it's one S. An E and two L's. Um, the best part of my name is when I'm talking to somebody, they're referring to me as Vanya, Vanya, Vanya. They ask me how to spell it. I say V-A-N-J-A. Then they say, thanks, Vanja. And I just go, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, that's a great name. I love it. Now, I'm lucky because I actually get to share an office with you, Vanya. And um, we've worked together for quite some time now. Um, and you are a foundation staff member of the best school in the world. That Holy I am. Cross College. Yeah. And so you really journey with the school and we've talked about on this podcast before the vision for learning at Holy Cross and you really are an integral person to the vision for learning. Uh, what does that mean to you as an educator? What do you love about our vision for learning and what's what's what stands out to you? What pops? Look, our, I have to say I am proud of our vision for learning. Um, mm. You were part of the creation of that too, uh, Ryan. Yes. Um, but 
for me, it's an affirmational document. It is something that we can use to guide our practice, but also to, you know, give ourselves little pats on the back as we as we do some of the components that are within it. Because at the end of the day, our vision for learning is centered on the students and getting the best out of our students. Um, and it's that bigger picture thinking that really gets me excited about working with students and working with staff to make that a reality. And I love that. And I... <laughs> Having shared an office with you, I've been lucky enough to see just how passionate you are about the kids. You poor and, thing. And I don't mind, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I've actually seen you cry in our office over children because you just want to do more to support them and meet their needs. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> What's got you so passionate about teaching? My perspective is that each child is somebody else's precious pride and joy. It's their treasure. Our responsibility is to walk with them hand in hand to help their child be the best version of themselves that they can be. And that means each child being treated differently according to their needs. And it just breaks my heart when I see kids feel like they're less than. Mm. Yeah, it's a real challenge, isn't it? And, you know, um, there's so many kids that even in, like, our our contemporary society just don't have their needs met you know it's, it's a challenge for all of us in terms of what we're going to do about that um, to support them and and you in your career you've really worked across the whole spectrum like um, you've taught in middle school have? you've taught in upper primary lower primary um, you're a part of our learning team all the way through to year 12 and building our learning culture at the college mm-hmm. um, so you've kind of seen everything um, w- within I suppose the latest research, one of the things that we focus on, and this is what today's podcast is going to be about, is this idea of student agency and student voice. And you've become one of the best advocates I've seen for the importance of this in education. Um, For all of our uh, listeners out there, what the heck is student agency? (laughs) What the heck is student voice? And are they just the same terms with just two different names? Well, look, they're, first of all, they're very different, uh, but they do work hand in hand. So for me, I define agency as being um, an environment that is provided for students where they can take ownership. They can feel empowered within that space to take control of their learning. Voice is where they get to give feedback. They get to provide ideas. They get to question and challenge things. And that gets incorporated within the environment to boost that agency. So what, what makes that different? How do they work hand in hand? What would I might practically see in a classroom? Okay. So I'll start with where a lot of people think agency and voice um, is most comfortable in and that early years context. So for our early years people, our EYLF, our early years learning framework, guides our principles um, in terms of what we do for our students in our early years classrooms. We are always striving to develop a sense of being, becoming and belonging. Now, agency and voice play a critical role in that. We want our young students coming into a classroom feeling confident, feeling safe, feeling like they belong and that they matter. And that is done through the environment. So part of that is the way that the classroom's set up. Do they know where their belongings go? Do they know where to access resources? Can they navigate the space 
confidently? Can they do it safely? Can they access important things when they need to do it? Do they have control over those things? The answer to those questions is yes, then you're on your way to developing agency. With student voice, when students are participating in activities, it's not about one size fits all. It's about catering for the interests and the passions of the students. So if we are looking at uh, participating in projects, we're getting that input from the students so they can guide their learning. So an example that we've had in kindy in the past has been um, how do we look after things? And students were able to take that where they wanted to go. So some students looked at how we look after plants and animals. Others looked at what doctors and nurses and, and fireys and police officers do. They were able to take it where they were interested to take it. Their end products varied. It's not about cookie cutter finished products where there's a pretty poster for 30 children that all looks the same and the children maybe put a little bit of a stamp on it, but the adult did it. If the adult leads that learning, then the adult is learning, not the child. So that's a really key component of agency and voice in the early years classroom. If you're looking at middle, upper primary, even middle school, you're talking about students really engaging in inquiry learning, really thinking about and questioning why is it that we're learning this and what does it mean for me? So if they're looking at mathematics in the real world context, we have a responsibility to allow them to investigate it to the depth that they want to investigate it. So we can, we can draw connections to all sorts of mathematics in real life. We've had students researching um, nature's patterns and looking at the mathematics behind that. We've had students who have researched famous mathematicians in the past because that's where they wanted to take it. Um, so it's about allowing them to really take their learning where they want to go. And it's not about a teacher having a predisposed idea about what the finished product needs to look like. It's guided by the strategies and the structures that they put in place during the lessons and the projects. But at the end of the day, the students need to control where it goes. Now, that's all well and good. But if I've got a curriculum yep. and I've got to meet the curriculum demands yep. and every student needs to meet this achievement standard by the end of this year mm -hmm. by offering this idea of voice in their learning, aren't I inhibiting the ability to get every student to where I need to get them to be as a teacher? No. Why not? If you successfully use learning intentions, co-create success yeah. criteria that is guided by your achievement standards and your curriculum, the children will be able to meet the criteria within the framework that you give them but still have that voice and that control over that end product. I'll give you an example. If students within an art lesson are asked to respond to an art piece, how it makes them feel, what they like about it, explain why, you could go about it a couple of ways. The way that is easy is for a teacher to say, please do that in a written response. Fine. All students will give you a written response unless they can't write. If literacy is a challenge to those students, then that gets in the way of their ability to meet what you are assessing for responding. But if you give them the choice, if you empower them to respond using written, verbal, 
video, whatever means or modes that they feel most comfortable with, you will still be able to assess their ability to respond to the artwork. But what you've done is enabled them to have control and you've eliminated some of those barriers to achieving the art achievement. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Now, look, but some some senior school teachers might say, um, if I'm giving all of these options in an assessment, doesn't that invalidate that assessment that we're doing? Because shouldn't everyone be on the same playing field in order for me to assess by the same rubric? Um, wouldn't that be an inhibitor to being able to do that? So my response to that is you need to be really clear in terms of what your focus on the assessment is. Is it that they've got the skills and understand the content or is it that you want them all to create the same finished product? If your answer is that you want to assess their skills and their content, then your rubric needs to focus on those. If it focuses too much on, let's take an example of um, you want them all to respond in an essay. You need to think about, is this a literacy assessment or is this assessing what they're understanding? And if the answer is it's a literacy assessment, then go nuts with the essay. If it's not, then you need to reframe how you're thinking about Mm. assessing the students because a valid assessment addresses the criteria. A valid assessment is not necessarily all 30 students or all 60 students or whatever completing the exact same finished product. Yeah, so... To go back to the agency idea about like what we're setting up in an environment to help our students engage and be successful in what they're doing and empowering them with their learning, um, wouldn't it be more powerful to just tell them everything? You know, just go through everything from the start and just say, this is what we need to know, this is where it is, and everyone recite that back to me. Wouldn't that be more powerful than just setting up an environment? What, what does that mean to us as young people? Us, I use that phrase collectively for us. But I appreciate yeah. that. Yep, um, I'll take it. <laughs> what, what does that mean for a young person? Why do we want them to inquire and open up their mind rather than just tell them the answers? Look, if we want to have our graduates, whether it's at Holy Cross College or a different school, if we want them to be robots, then that's the model you want to employ. Mm-hmm. You want to just have them sit there. They're sponges. You are the wealth of knowledge. You're going to impart your knowledge. They're going to soak it all up. However, our vision for learning focuses on students who are able to thrive in the real world. Mm-hmm. And the real world involves a lot of decision-making, collaborating, mm-hmm. creativity, communication, all of those key real-life skills. So if you are actually asking your students to be sponges, you're doing them a disservice. You are not equipping them with the metacognitive strategies. You are not equipping them with the interpersonal strategies to be able to succeed in whatever arena mm-hmm. they um, find themselves in, in in real life. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? It's that constant push that that educators face. And it's certainly, you know, we really believe in the idea of, like we use Michael Fullen's six C's here at Holy Cross. And I often make the analogy to parents of, the fact that you know I've never met a boss that you know comes and says I want you to I want you to memorize all of this and tomorrow you're going to sit on it uh, sit a test on it sorry um, you're going to sit on <laughs> um, gee whiz um, rather what does a boss do they come up to you and they say I've got a problem solve my problem can you solve it and you know yeah. education's really about equipping kids with these abilities and skills 
to make choices around that. And that's where that agency comes in, isn't it? And I think the beauty of what we see as a K-12 school, students who have been here mm. in the junior school, transitioning into year seven, um, versus students who come from, I guess, more traditional approaches to education, um, they will often struggle with the open-ended nature of some of the things mm. that we ask them to do because they are used to having step-by-step, clear you are a sponge, this is how you do it, scenarios presented to them. But we don't want that for our students. We want them to be comfortable with being uncomfortable when it comes to the academic arena. But in order for that to happen, we need to provide that environment Mm -hmm. where they feel that they have ownership and safety to take those risks with their learning. And I suppose the other thing that I find with this when I implement it in my own classes is that idea of... giving students that ability to choose how high they want to reach actually does increase their engagement automatically. Like I'll often say to the students, you know, and I teach at a year 12 level, um, if you're aiming for an A, this is what you need to be able to do and you can come into this room with me and I'm going to go through with this. And it's fascinating to see what students choose to come and do that and they suddenly go the extra mile, whereas if I had given them that task from the start, they probably wouldn't have wanted to do it. But when they know that this is the task that will lead you towards here, it is automatically an increased engagement that can often happen. And I suppose, you know, with that, then I watched one of our teachers the other day in a year 10 Italian class. I watched her in her class get out all of the achievement standards and the scope and sequence. And and with her class, they sat down and they wrote their own rubric um, for their upcoming assessment. Now, look, that took four lessons. And, and the teacher was a bit worried at the start about what that was going to take out. What a wonderful investment of time. You've got buy-in. You've mm-hmm. got children who are dissecting the curriculum and what it is that they are being asked to do. And that leads to a deeper understanding. Yeah, significant difference. And and, and she even commented after the assessment that she found that the students went significantly better than what they would have done in the past and she, although she said to me, she said, look, it took so much more time in class to get this to happen. She said, I'm actually so much more in front of where I would have been because mm. of all these skills that I've taught my kids right from the start. And there are so many strategies that classroom teachers can use to empower students to to bump it up, to take it mm. to that next level, whether that is a traffic light system where you go through the, the different levels of achievement for a task and the, the children have that guide, they have that compass to kind of direct where they're going with it, um, whether it is actually bumping it up, um, co-creating rubrics or success criteria so that they can see where it is that the possibility could be for them um, and they're able to then reflect on where they're at and whether they need to improve it the next time round. Um, it's so critical that they are able to really think about what it is that they're learning and are they doing the best that they can and then to empower them to take it to that next step, not go, oh, well, that's the end of that assessment, let's yeah. leave it and move on giving them the opportunity to go back and and resubmit or add more to it um, so that they can get that sense of efficacy, that sense of achievement and pride um, because we have so many children who who can often feel disengaged, Mm -hmm. who can feel like, oh, there's no point um, because they don't feel like they've got that ability to take that risk, take that next step. And what's great in this is, you know, what sits behind all of this is you you look at something like Gonski 2.0 and this idea of personalised learning, every single student achieving at least one year's worth of growth. That takes out this idea of by year five, I need to be here. But it, it puts in this idea of 
I'm here and now I need to go one year's worth of growth forward. And that 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 builds kids Does. and it changes. Look, our system, my dream, I have a dream that one day we take out year levels, you know, that we really do focus on this idea of one year for each student. But within this, you actually don't need that change to happen because good teaching meets the students at their point of need and then progresses them at least one year's worth of growth. But that, And then I think what I think teachers really do need to strive to do, and a lot of our teachers do, and they invest so much energy into it, those students who just you don't seem to be able to get mm. them to budge, those kids who come into class and they're just, you know, their heads, their body language is negative, their heads down, they slump in the chair, how do we connect with them? The first way you can do that is by building that relationship. You build that relationship, you include their voice um, and you will, you will start to see a difference in the way that they approach your lessons, regardless of the task, yes. regardless of the content of that lesson, you enable them to feel like they are seen, mm -hmm. like they are important to you um, and they can influence what's happening in that class and you will see a massive difference straight away. Mm. That's good. Well, let's, let's, let's stick practical here. Yep. People that listen to this podcast, we've got graduate teachers through to very experienced teachers. If there are people out there that perhaps haven't um, dipped themselves into um, this practice, this pedagogical practice of student agency and student voice, um, what advice can you give? What are some maybe some very practical strategies on how we can do that, whether we're teaching kindergarten, we're teaching symmetry, right through to, do you teach symmetry in kindergarten? Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Good guess. Um, or right through to a year 12 class where a teacher would go, I've got all of this content I've got to smash through by the end of the year. What tips can we put in place? Look, get to know your kids. That's mm. your first step. And you can do that through conversations. Um, though your staff that you work with um, in the early years can be fountains of knowledge for your students as well because quite often um, in the busyness of every day we forget to feedback to each other what our interactions were with staff so in an early years context put those notes in your planning if you've had a conversation with a child out at recess time and they've mentioned something about loving the circus and this is a child that you are trying to connect with make a note so that next week in the drama space or in the shared stories that you're reading, you're incorporating circuses. Mm -hmm. um, if there's a child who is really super into the West Coast Eagles, incorporate that in your conversations with them. Put some of those toys in the spaces for them. Allow them to write about the West Coast Eagles because at the end of the day, if your aim is to get them writing, include their passion and interest in it. If you're looking at... Um, middle primary or, or actually any year level, get them to have input into what the expectations are within the classroom. Get them to put together um, little, you know, classroom agreements of these are, this is how we behave in this classroom and these are the consequences. If they have ownership in that, you're setting up a culture where they feel like they've contributed to the community and they are starting to feel connected within that. Can I just say on that point, I watched one of our Year 7 teachers um, come up with their class rules and all the students, you know, they put it out on butcher's paper and then they walked up and put it up on the whiteboard and then they had all of their rules up on the board and then he got each student to come up with a whiteboard marker and sign on the board. Yep. And they signed for the like rules that they charter. put together and then he took a photo, put it up on their Google Classroom. Yep. And then that was what they referred to and that was their little charter that they'd all co-constructed together and all physically signed on the board. Oh, there was a great little strategy I'd seen. Uh, a great... Um 
method to keep that going is introducing things like classroom meetings Mm -hmm. where students can, um, throughout the week, they can record little things that they want to discuss, things that aren't working, things they'd like to change, things they'd like to introduce, and then there's a clear structure and uh, forum provided for them on a weekly, fortnightly basis, whatever it might be, where that can be presented, discussed, Mm -hmm. decided upon, and then followed through on. The thing you want to always remember is that if you have promised something to a student, whether it is, oh, I'll bring that resource in for you, or let's meet it at lunchtime to go through that essay, or whatever it might be, follow through on that. Because if students feel they can rely upon you and trust you, that really does send a very clear message to them about you valuing them as an individual within your class. Uh, But there are also lots of little ways just incidentally that you can make connections with students and and bring in their interests and their passions, but also um, that agency within the environment. They need to feel like that's their real estate. That's their ground. That's their turf. That's their home ground where they are able to um, take risks with their learning. They're comfortable with being able to interact with everybody in there. And that can be whether it is the resources in the space or the furniture in the space or, um, you know, just giving them the opportunity to have input and, and be able to control the way that the class runs and the lesson runs and they are more likely to engage positively. Vanya, you're amazing. I'm so grateful for your time that you've given us today. Um, do you have any last pieces of advice for anyone that you'd like to give out? Anything on pedagogy, anything on vision for learning, anything that you go, this is my pearl of wisdom about why I'm amazing and what if people do what I do, they'll be amazing too. Um, you put me on the spot. <laughs> Let me think. I think what we always need to remember as professionals is that we have somebody's pride and joy in our care mm. and we need to treat them with dignity, care, and respect, and then the rest will come a long way from that. I love it. Vanya, you're an amazing educator. I've thoroughly enjoyed today's chat, and I know that our listeners would have enjoyed that today. Um, And, you know, I'm inspired to go and think about some more ways that I can incorporate um, agency and voice into my own pedagogical practice, and I know that our listeners would be in the same position. So thank you for your time, and um, people can follow you on Twitter, What's your uh, Twitter handle? Do you know what it is? No, I don't tweet myself. Um, is it at V Basil? I don't know. Maybe don't... we get them to spell it. Oh, stop. <laughs> what is my Twitter thing? You should know. I don't know. How do, I don't even know how to find out. There I am. Oh, there you go. At Vanya Basil. So V A N for Nelly, J A B for Bob, A S for Sam. E-double-L. Excellent. So they can follow you on Twitter and, um, you know, thanks for all the great things you do and, you know, please follow Holy Cross and all the things that we're doing um, and we're really passionate about our vision for learning here and about all things pedagogy. So thanks for listening to today's episode. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Bye. If you know any awesome educators that we should have on this podcast, please reach out. Thanks for listening to the Talking About Pedagogy podcast from Holy Cross College. Be sure to find us at holycross.wa.edu.au and follow us on Twitter. Goodbye, God bless, and thank you for being my friends. Thank you.